morning. Ah, that's going to be a long one. It is good to be with you this morning. I, I decided I'm going to sing the Taylor Swift song to you. It's me. No, I'm not going to sing it to you. But uh, welcome to our new series, It's Me, Hi, I'm the Problem. I, I wanted to read the lyrics out to you because last week I found out how uncool you all are. I, I thought you would all catch on to the series straight away, but I realized it's okay. Many of you have young kids, which makes you the uncoolest season of your life ever. Uh, my kids are going towards the teenage, so I'm starting to become cool again. I know the lingo. I'm starting to pick it up. In about three years' time, I'll be able to speak to teenagers. I'll, I'll be back in the groove, while some of you are just becoming completely culturally irrelevant. But anyway, here is the song. It goes like this. I have this thing where I get older but never wiser. I should not be left to my own devices. They come with prices and vices. I end up in crisis. I know, it's bad. But anyway, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It's from Taylor Swift in the song, Antihero. Now, whatever your personal beliefs about Taylor Swift and her music, good, bad, ugly, whatever you think about her and the black, she has a bit of a political, like whatever you think about her, wouldn't it be great if everybody were to just face up, if everybody were just to confess, hi, I'm the ANC, it's me, I'm the problem, hi, we're the management at ESCOM, it's me, we're the problem. Imagine my kids came in the morning grumpy and said, Dad, we're just so sorry. We're the problem. It's us. <laughs> grumpy. Or imagine your boss. Don't smile, Justy. Imagine, imagine he came in and he said, Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm staring in the mirror. I'm going to make some changes. Wouldn't it be so great if people just owned their junk? Now, just imagine... Because obviously this is very unlikely, but just imagine it were you. It's probably not going to happen, but just imagine you were a little bit of the problem. Imagine, I mean, really, this requires a lot of imagination, but imagine the reason you kept dating and having bad relationships was just like you were a bit of a shareholder in that. Imagine you just played a little bit of a part. Or imagine that you landing up in debt again and again. It wasn't your boss's fault. Imagine, just imagine, I mean, it takes a lot of imagination, but imagine it was you. Imagine it was you that got yourself into a lot of the problems that you got yourself into. Now, unfortunately, it's probably not the case, but just in case it was, imagine we could take ownership of our problems and change. I don't know about you, but uh, I have tried to change and failed on many occasions. Anybody else tried to fail? In fact, if you've tried enough to change in certain areas, some of you would have given up. L let me tell you the process. I'll just, this is the kind of process some of us go through. We decide, um, somewhere down the line, that we want to get thin. And uh, if you're looking at me judging me because I'm skinny, I was just born that way. I can't help it. I can't put on weight. I get frustrated with you too. Anyway, the, you, you just think about the process. So what do you do? You, you make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose X number of kgs. And then you wake up in the morning, you set the alarm, and you go for a little jog. And then you eat healthy 
the whole way through, and you do that day after day, week after week, and, and within a month, you've done that every single day. And you even joined in like a um, get fit, one of those things, competition where you have a before photo and after photo. And then what happens is that dude with skinny genes, not these, but skinny genetics, he comes along, he's been eating Christmas cake for ages, looks like this, puts out his stomach, and within four weeks, he has lost 10 kgs, and you put on weight. Anyone know this story? Anyone lived this story? And then what you do is you resent them. That's your starting plate. You resent them. And then once you've finished resenting them, the resentment keeps growing, and eventually you resent weight loss. And so you comfort eat for the next week to make up for the last four. This is, this is the process of failing to change. And we, we, fail, we all fail to change in so many different ways. This year, I'm going to read my Bible every day. Day one, you smash it. Day two, you smash it. Day three, you smash it. Day four, deadline at work. Day five, still deadline at work. Day six is weekend, you need to recover. Day seven, weekend, you still need to recover and go to church. I heard the Bible there. Day eight, and now you're on day 14, and you're seven days behind, eight days behind, and we start again. We, we do this in so many aspects of our lives. I was just thinking of all the things we do this in. We get things like, I'm going to stop watching so much, or scrolling mindlessly on Instagram, or I'm going to stop sleeping with my, or I'm going to rebuild my marriage. I'm not going to yell at the kids anymore. And you just, you find yourself trying and trying and trying to change. And there's nothing more disheartening and frustrating than knowing you need to change and wanting to change and trying to change and not changing. So this series... It's really about how you change. And because it's such a desired aspect of humanity, people want to change so much that the self-help industry is a $13.2 billion industry. What that means is people are desiring to change so much that they will pay anyone anything to get to change. We long for it. Today, I'm going to try and open up how you change. But in order to do that, I, I want to just quickly talk about a book that was written last year called Manifest. Anybody hear the, the statement, maybe on social media you saw it, of this year I'm going to manifest my goals? Anyone, anyone hear that? Okay, anyone read the book, Manifest? Sold 35 million copies in the first three months. Like, okay, I'm, I'm glad we've got like three people who with the times. The, the thinking behind the book was this. That she had seven chapters. The first one was be clear in your vision, remove fear and doubt. The third one was align your behavior. Fourth, overcome tests from the universe. Fifth, embrace gratitude. Sixth, turn envy into inspiration. Seven, trust in the universe. Wonderful. Um, not particularly Christian, but, but if you were to take all the universe comments out and replace them with Jesus and some of the other things, you could kind of say, well, this is sort of in the Bible-ish. Now, the reason I chose to pick on this book, Manifest, is because it was so popular. And if you want to reach people far from God, you have to know what they're reading and thinking and doing so that you can speak to them. In fact, Paul, 
I don't know if you know this, but Paul in his epistles three times quoted poets of the day. Poets, poetry of the day got stuck into the Bible by the Holy Spirit. I know that freaks some of us out, but like the Holy Spirit caused Paul to grab hold of Taylor Swift and put it in the Bible. <laughs> Why? Because Paul was so in touch with the thinking and the philosophy and the poets and the culture of the day that he could bring the gospel straight into it so that it gave it life and meaning and purpose. And we can take a book like Manifest and we can bring the gospel into it in such a way that it comes alive and is able to really touch and change people's hearts. Our job is not to, and we could just take pot shots at books like this and go, it's just the latest fad, it was the secret now, last, now it's Manifest, the next one will come in two years' time and everybody will have forgotten the last one. We could do that. But imagine we were to grab hold of culture and add some Jesus to it so that it came alive. That's what we're going to do today. So I want to tell you about change. And some of it comes from this book. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians 3.7. He said, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him, in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's the first thing. Paul goes, if you want to change your life, you have to set a goal. And so he says, I've got a goal. I want to know Christ, his resurrection power, and become like him. This is my goal. Good goal. If you don't have a goal, great goal. If you want to manifest your goals, you have to have a manifesto. The best way to start is with the end in mind. Now, whilst we were looking at the end in mind, uh, I found a few um, end in mind pieces of stone. Look at this. This was funeral stones. (laughs) You can go, next one. (laughs) That's one made to another, definitely. The the last one. (laughs) This is definitely my favorite. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry. A little bit of humor just to keep you in. If you, wanna, if you want to change, you have to have the end in mind. But here's what Paul does with the end in mind. He doesn't set a goal on where he's going to live or the lifestyle he's going to have or how far he's going to get in his, in his career. He, he sets a goal on who he's going to become. Now, here's the thing that science teaches us, and even this book says it, is that if you want to change, you have to set a goal based on who 
not what. Who you want to become, not what you want to do. In fact, I, I was reading um, James March. He's a professor at Stanford, and he says that when making a choice, we essentially and subconsciously ask ourselves three questions. They're, who am I? What kind of situation is this? And what would someone like me do in this situation? Who am I? What's happening? And what do people like me do when that happens? So let me give you an example of how this plays out. Um, after the floods, I had a supplier do something for me to repair something that I needed for summer. He repaired it, but he didn't do it properly, so this thing was broken afterwards. Now, I kept phoning him and WhatsApping him, and this is Durban, so he would reply sometimes and say, I'm coming next week, and then he wouldn't come. Any of you ever had this? I mean, it doesn't often happen in Durbs. And over months, I started to find myself getting a little bit angry. And then these kind of thoughts would throw, flow through my mind. I, I know they wouldn't happen to you, but just <clears throat> confessing my sin one to another. I would think about if I hit him with the baseball bat or the golf club, like which would be more effective and where on his face would I have to hit him? But then I would stop myself and go, but Ross, you're a Christian and a pastor. And this is bad for, but no, I'm joking. And this is not who you are. This is not who you are. And so I would pull myself back out of that quite fun whirlwind that I'd get myself into. And I'd go, well, then what about like a social media campaign against him? Has anyone seen this man because I've been messaging him for years and I think he's dead? Like, ah, I was thinking about how this would play out. And then I went, no, no, Ross, you're a Christian and a pastor. Who are you? What's the situation? And how do people like you behave in this situation? You see, who before do. You've got to work out who you are before you determine what you do. And if you get that stuff wrong, you will do a New Year's resolution, and 95% of them are canceled by February. You see, scientists do research on this stuff. And they talk about science of change. And there's kind of a first order it's called cybernetics theory. First order cybernetics theory goes like this. I decide I'm going to change, and so I change my behaviors. Guess how long it works? It doesn't. A few days, a few weeks. This is the stuff we've all given up on, which is why half of you have stopped making New Year's resolutions. The second order of cybernetics theory is a fundamental belief shift. I think of myself as sporty. The result is my wife is constantly annoyed with me because on weekends I need to go out and do some sport. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to psych myself up to do it. I don't have to wake up in the morning and go, we better do sport. I think of myself. My identity is sporty, healthy dude. Therefore, I do who I am. You want to change? You've got to work out your who before your do. Otherwise, you will not change. Now, the Bible, here's what's so beautiful about this. Science is catching up to it now. The Bible has been saying this for more than 2,000 years. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. 
Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every single epistle is laid out with, this is who you are, this is who you are, this is who you are. Now, this is what you must do. This is what you must do. This is what you must do. It all starts with, if you want to change, think differently about yourself. Now, before some of you fall asleep, we're going to do an exercise every week. It's like hectic. Like we're really being serious about you changing. And just because I want you to get into the moment, just pull out a phone. If you've got your phone, or a piece of paper, or something, your husband's wrist, I don't know, just grab something. Some of you are too holy to bring your phones, I want to say thank you. <laughs> now, we're going to show you a slide that looks like this. Paint the picture, the end vision for your life. I would love to be known as, look at the photos, I love it, okay, I would love to be known as, you've all been to that funeral, and there are thousands of people there, and like everyone wants to talk about this dude because you're so incredible, and you've been to the other funeral, okay, at the end of your days, I would love to be known as, when the people I care about think of me, I want them to remember if I achieve some, what that thing is, it will have been a significant life. I want you to think about this stuff. I sat down, because kind of, you've got to live this before you preach it a bit. And I sat down, and I, I just wrote down, in five years, I want to be. And I just started putting things down. And I put, this is who I am now. In five years, I want to be. In 10 years, I want to be. Just get one word right now. I'm going to give you time at the end, but one word. In five years, I want to be. I mean, imagine you're the same jerk. No, imagine you're the same person now in five years. How sad would that be? Okay, you got to get a manifesto. All right, you're still tracking with me. It's like, Class, but don't worry, we're going to get somewhere. It's going to be cool. First thing, you need a manifesto. Second thing, you want to change, you have to align your inside with your outside. So Philippians says this, verse 7, going right back to the top. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. It's quite a thing to say for Paul. So Paul's grown up and his whole life has been about being righteous. He's, he's woken up, like at nine, he would have known the entire Old Testament sorry, the first five books of the Old Testament, by nine, he would have known them by heart. He could have just spoken them out to you. By 13, he would have known the entire Old Testament. He could write it out, start to finish. Quite an average kid. This is Paul. He, his entire life was about living right for God. He wakes up this day and he goes, all the stuff I used to value it's basically sewage, is what he says. That's what the word actually says. It's sewage, 
compared to the value I have of knowing Jesus. Just put up your hand if you know what you want to change. Just stick up your hand. <laughs> Some of you. Mm. We'll help you. By the end of the series, you will know what you need to change. If you don't change your inside values to match up with where you want to go, you won't change. So I took Gracie kite surfing in like November. And, um, and of course, I took my eye off her for five seconds. And she went flying. Not high, high, probably about this high. But then she landed on her back. And you know when you hear the wind coming out of a person? And I thought to myself, she is never going to get up again. I've just ruined it. Anyway, my gutsy little girl comes back and I say, I'm so sorry and I'm going to clip you in. Do you want to keep going? And she says, let's try again. I mean, she's just gutsy. So, so I get her up there and she starts flying the kite and we keep it all safe. And then she starts calling the kite Bob. Nobody knows why, but she says, Bob, go left. Bob, go right. And she's talking to the kite. She's having a jaw, just Bob this, Bob that. And then she says to me, Dad, can I jump? Now, at this moment, she has to consider garbage, the value of safety, for the value of altitude. And in this moment, she lets go of one value, and she grabs onto another value, and she starts swinging in the air, towing me around the beach. If you want to change, there's something you value that you have to let go of to grab onto the thing that will help you get where you're wanting to change. You cannot be consumeristic and generous. The values clash. You have to let go of a value. You can't be loving and independent. The values clash. If you're wanting to change who you are, you need to shift something inside of you. You cannot want to lose weight and love eating six meals a day. These things don't work. You have to shift values. You got to think, what is the value I'm wanting to drop? Okay, two more. Are we going to survive? Two more. Okay, number three, you have to align your behaviors. This is kind of obvious, so I'm not going to spend much time. But basically, you want to get thin, you have to exercise. You, you want to love, you got to get around some people. You, you want to become generous, you got to sacrifice and get yourself out of debt so that you can give. You, you can't have faith, I believe I'm this per person, with no action that's tied to it. Okay, obvious. Move on to fourth. Less obvious. Let me tell you what stops people changing. In the book, they call it the cycle of self-sabotage. We do this to ourselves a lot. We do what feels comfortable, and then we decide we're going to make a change. And then we take steps to the change. Well done. I worked out. I want to be this kind of person. We start to feel good because now I'm eating well, exercising well. And you go, this feels different. Then, oh, it sucks so much. Life throws a curveball. Your business makes no money this month. You and your wife start fighting. Your boyfriend decides he wants to move to Cape Town. Something happens, and you feel the discomfort, the pain, the ah. Uh. 
And in that moment, you know what you want? You want that old feeling of the good old days. You want the good old days. When I just ate that chocolate and it was just so good. Had that glass of wine, maybe that third glass of wine, and it was just so good. When we all used to gather together before my friends moved to other countries and we'd watch rugby together and we were just connected and it was just so fun and our kids played together. It was just so good. We want the good old days. And unfortunately, if you want the good old days in that pain moment and you don't have something else, well then... Our subconscious craves familiarity, and we do what feels comfortable, and we stay the same. And how many of us have gone around this cycle? I mean, because let's face it, we're kind of old, most of us. We've gone around this cycle a few times. You know what Paul says? He says, forgetting what lies behind. Let me just tell you a bit about Paul. When he came to faith, he lost his wife. He's a Pharisee of a certain class. He had to have a wife. He lost her. He goes, forgetting what lies behind. When, when he came to Jesus, he was wealthy. He was significant. He had an incredible reputation. He was one of the more influential people in Israel. He goes, forgetting it. Forgetting what lies behind. You know, sometimes we read the Bible, we just go, oh, it's easy for him. He goes, I'm going to, I'm not going to just Pretend it's not there. I'm literally going to forget it. I'm going to forget the good old days before ESCOM, before the country became bankrupt. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to forget all those times when all my friends were all around and business was so easy and there was just so much. I'm going to forget. I'm, going to, I'm not just going to pretend it's not there. I'm literally going to forget about it. Why do I need to do that? Because if I don't do that, I will search and hunt to get that feeling back. And if I hunt to get that feeling back, I'm going to go back to the things I did to get the feeling. And Paul goes, I don't want that feeling. I want the resurrection power feeling, even if I have to go through sacrifice and suffering to get it. I want, I want the Jesus feeling. I don't want the man feeling. I want the Jesus feeling. So I'm going to forget what lies behind. Jesus bought it. I'm letting it go. Now, we're going to put up a picture. So if you can take photos, this is the one you want to take off. But it was nice watching you taking photos just now. Stick up that slide. This is the second slide. Next, you need to align the inside with the out. What needs to happen in my internal world to move from real to ideal? Don't worry, in social media this week, we'll stick it up. The way I think, the way I feel, the way I speak. What do I need to realign? And then the next slide. How you start the change. What small one thing are you going to do? Lastly, the fourth thing, try imagine three or six months down the line. Think about where the New Year's re resolution loses its power. 
how will you shatter the cycle of self-sabotage? Now, basically, everything I've said up until now is kind of in this book, apart from this. Paul says, I take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. The difference between self-help and the gospel is that Jesus, give me your hand, takes hold. And often you and I let go. But if he's taken hold, it doesn't matter if you let go. You might not get onto the step if you let go, but he's still taken hold of you. And the moment you grab on, he's just going to pull you up to where he is. The difference between every self-help book and Christianity is Jesus grabs hold and doesn't let go. And some of you today felt like Jesus has let go because you haven't got stuff right. My friends, you can be running as hard as you can. Good luck. If Jesus has got you, you ain't going nowhere, brother. Even in the depths, I'll find you. I want to tell you a little story quickly. Do not judge me for this. My boy misbehaved this morning, and uh, he faced a consequence. He might still be feeling that consequence. <laughs> I went back, started my sermon prep, and then I could feel the pain of my boy. And I couldn't sermon prep, which is why you got an okay sermon. And I went back to my little boy, and I grabbed hold of him, and I said, my boy, I love you with every fiber of my being. Don't push me away. I will chase after you with all of my heart. Just stop pushing me away. And there's a heavenly father who's looking at you and me and he's going, don't push me away. I'm here to take hold of you. Don't push me away. You want to change? Let's stand. I just want to say, you were kind of lousy to preach to, but regardless. <laughs> if you want to come back to God this morning, would you mind if you, people just close your eyes? Is that all right? You want to come back to God this morning? Why don't you just put up your hands so that I can pray with you? I see your hands. Some people, both hands and on tiptoes. For all those tons of people with their hands up, Pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, take hold of me, and help me take hold of you. I want to change. Help me change. Forgive me of my sins, and fill me with the power to change. Now, Lord Jesus, as we go, I pray, God, that you change us. So we look a whole lot more like you tomorrow than we did today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Friends, you know someone who needs to change, invite them next week. Thank you for the clap. May God bless you.